easy now, more subdued. Yeah, it's very, very late. Easy now. I guess they're going to the gym. It's 24 hours open. <laughs> we have a night out over here. Oh, mate. We have an old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have sort of, yeah, halfway house. Welcome back to another episode of the Drive Talk podcast. Um, this one is, uh, yes, yeah, slightly different. <laughs> Unplanned, exclusive, special. It was planned, but we planned to do it because of different reasons. Yeah. And now this one that we're recording now, we were supposed to, or you were supposed to bring out after the one that we already recorded. Two nights ago, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and now we're bringing it beforehand because something has happened. Yeah. One more time, Joe, are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. Yes, mate. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm okay. Yeah, just my my little knuckles are a bit red and sore, but um but otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm surprisingly absolutely fine. Yeah. Why, why what happened, guys? Am I missing something? Well, I mean, Misha, Misha I'm sure could uh, could explain. Um but just before he does, Misha touched upon it then. We did film a really epic in-depth uh, podcast with Misha a couple of days ago. We'll be coming to the uh, channel very soon. Um, it's fantastic. We learned so much. It's just, it's a two hour long special as well. Uh, that was quite a late night. But tonight we're starting at 11 and we'll talk about why that is. Um, but Misha, do you want to open it up and uh, and just talk about what we've been up to over the last, let's say, three or four hours? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the day started actually quite okay. Uh, you weren't answering your phone because we agreed to do some laps at five o'clock. Your phone died. But that was not the worst thing that happened that day, actually, if you look at everything. Yeah, it wasn't just my phone that died, was it? No. Well, the car is not dead yet. Oh, yes. We can, we can hopefully repair it. No. So long story short, uh, we went out. We did two laps. We did one lap for you so you could put it up on your channel because uh, we did a lap with the GR86 to promote the podcast, kind of. And I did also one myself or for my channel because I was driving both laps. We came back, we filmed the intro for your video. So we walked around the car for half an hour. We cooled down, we had all fun, we were done. And then uh, since Pat and Patrick were out lapping, I said like, oh, should I bring you to the car park to them? Yeah, sure, let's go. So as we're rolling there, I'm like, mm, should I like to do an easy lap? I mean, we're done with filming. We didn't need to send it. We're just going to go cruising, you know? And then your words were like, it's like bringing someone to the pub. Yeah, I said it would be like you giving me a lift to the bar and then just going, see you later. It just wouldn't happen, would it? You'd be like, oh, maybe I'll just have a cheeky one. Um, and yeah, then yeah, we went out we, and we we, we, had had we actually went and we had a quite a slow beginning. We drove quite slow. Yep. Then this Cayman GT4 comes out and we're like, oh, let's have some fun with it. And still, we were just like, we were not pushing it, we were driving it, we were following it uh, throughout the whole lap. And then as we approach into Brunchen, corner that we have done, well, I have done multiple thousands of times and also two times prior with you, all of a sudden, while, while turning in, the car goes straight onto the grass, into the wall. Now, my initial reaction was, well, actually, your first thing that you said is as if steering broke. Yeah. My first initial reaction was, I think there was coolant on the track or oil because you heard no tire squeal. There was no feedback from the steering because usually if you understeer, okay, I would open up the wheel thinking like, okay, we need to open it so the car can grip on and go straight. In this case, there was no feedback whatsoever for me. And I'm like, 
hold on a second, what's, what happened? Well, by that time, when I saw the barrier coming in, I just let go of the steering wheel to make sure that there was no impact uh, or no further injuries on the wrists because uh, you've seen that Ricciardo bro broke his wrist last yeah, yeah. Formula 1. Yeah. yeah, so always let go of the steering wheel whenever the impact is uh, inevitable. And that's kind of it. No, I think now we should talk about, this brings us to a lot of things. Uh, we will talk about what actually has happened. Well, you can see it on the channel, but we will do definitely more in-depth analysis of the car because, as you said, something probably broken. You made a joke about it as if steering column broke. But after watching the onboard video, you can actually hear a clunk yep. and then the car going straight. Yep. Now, what exactly failed? It's an unusual sound. You don't, We didn't hear it ever before. Sometimes you hear the top mounts of the suspension moving or the springs adjusting themselves. But this was something really that, I'm sorry, hate to do driver excuses or bullshit, but that's, yeah. Anyway, uh, since this all of this happened, I think today we should talk about uh, what has happened. We already kind of alluded into that. What has happened afterwards to, <laughs> yeah. in in my case, in my particular case, what is happening usually when nuclear accidents happen? So this means when people have a crash, who is responsible? Who needs to pay for what? What am I going to have to pay for what? Uh, what are usual procedures? And actually, the reason why we're starting this why we wanted to have this podcast in the first place is because there were actually quite some interesting questions starting with last night's we had a healthy discussion at the dinner table when we said like hey do you think this place is going to be here around forever yep. do you think that Autobahn unlimited Autobahn is going to be around forever and someone commented actually made a comment that I sent to you like hey we can make a nice podcast out of it they said like hey Misha's popularity or him making Nürburgring that popular, is this positive or are there also negative suit? Because maybe like some people like the right wing parties might use it as a, ooh, look at that. There are so many crashes happening, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there are many, many topics. So I'm afraid Pat won't be going to sleep <laughs> um, that early. By the way, I live next door and I rushed because the guys were waiting so long. So for people watching on YouTube, I'm wearing my slippers and pig socks because I'm also comfortable. It's a, it's a strong look. It's better than Joe's boots and ankle length or knee length socks. It is, with. yeah. Me, yeah. she can get away with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's kick off. So first of all, I guess what has happened in the last three hours after the impact? I yeah. think to shortly touch on all my personal thing, the, guy, the reason why you're waiting here is because I said, I need to get this video out immediately. Because it happened in Brunchen, the famous YouTube corner where people crash. So now I made it. The YouTuber made it to the YouTube corner. <laughs> the YouTuber with a YouTube passenger crash on the YouTube corner. Not the ultimate YouTube crash. I think all we needed was you going past in another car to see it. Oh, I'm happens. sure that that uh, Nick from Auto Addiction and Nathan from States of Supercars are biting their nails off because they weren't there today filming. <laughs> Yes, mate. We we were because we'd been doing some laps in a GT3, and we were waiting at Devil's Diner on the balcony, um, and we knew you'd gone off because you'd messaged us and said you were okay. And then yeah. you came back or passed with a car on the back of the flatbed, and the reaction of everybody on the everyone saw the car. Everybody knows it's your car. Yeah, and they're like, "That's Misha's car." Yeah, is, is he had an off? And it was you know it was it was. So there's no way crashing, yeah. if you could have crashed on any other corner, it might have been better, but the one... That, would have been easy, yeah, With yeah, yeah. all the crowds. No, exactly, so... So, uh, so for you as a content creator, mm -hmm. uh, th there's th that content's predicated on laps around the Nürburgring. Yes. You had no choice 
but to do something quite quickly and get your story out there. Exactly, because I know people are going to talk. It doesn't matter whether I'm going to, to put something out or not. The people are going to talk in in good or a bad way, but uh, it's good. It keeps our name alive. So yeah. keep on talking. That's uh, why we are what we're doing. Uh, no, on all the serious notes, uh, I knew that I needed to get it out as soon as possible to come out with a story. Um, and as we were analyzing the car, as we were looking at the footage, more things came up, like like this clunk noise. So even that, when we shot our video in front of the car, this made a bit... Uh, What's the rattling noise? You're moving microphones. Yeah, I'll be uh, told off by Pat. Uh, no, no, we're, we're good now, I hope. Um, good, yeah, the story was evolving and we had to get it out as soon as possible for the sake of like, okay, so people knows, actually, most importantly, that we are right. Yeah. That because my Instagram, my DMs, my WhatsApp was already exploding. Are you okay? What has happened? And some people who were standing on the other side of the track when they did not see any damage on the car, they're like, oh, what happened? Like, what's up? So... Um, anyway, regarding the circumstances, we had, to, we had to make sure that everyone knows that we're okay, what has happened, and the rest stay updated. We will see what the mechanical expertise will turn out, whether there was external factors such as, I don't know, something happened with the steering that it snapped off for whatever reason that made us go straight off the track. So... Yeah, this led to quite some pressure. We were off the track somewhere like half past seven, I guess, yep. by the car. Eight o'clock, we were back here. We are now recording shortly before 11. So within two hours, I made sure to edit YouTube video, make a thumbnail for it, description, post it, upload it, uh, do the same for Facebook because it's a one-by-one -one format and also vertical. And vertical, we shot also separate video for Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> and yeah, it's paying off in terms of views. I mean, there's one thing at least we could be happy about is that it's, it's yeah. flying. And, and you had to actually finish the YouTube video. You had to be savvy enough there to get some clips after it just happened. Exactly. Um, and then when we took it, you know, uh, down to, to drop it off, you're doing bits there and bits on the way back in the car that it made it into the video. Just all these things that people maybe wouldn't think about. Um, it's just insane. Fair no, play. exactly. I mean, this is just like something for people who are wondering how his influencer life looks like. I mean, this could be interesting, not interesting. But let's get to the actual point, yeah. probably, of uh, what is happening when people have a crash at the Nürburgring. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, this is a very exciting, very demanding, very, some people might say, dangerous place. But in reality, numbers are actually significantly lower when you also take into account how many cars are driving per kilometer, there are less incidents than there are on the public road. So I think that actually says what a great a lot. stat. Yeah, it's it's a very good, great, uh, great statistics. Um, so I think this is a very safe place to have, well, to have something go wrong. And if something goes wrong, the security people are there with you. If you're out with your mates on some mountain roads and you're drifting around and you fall off a cliff or hit the tree, uh, I think mm -hmm. it's going to take a while until emergency services are, are with you. So with the Nürburgring, it's a different, uh, it's a very positive story. So anyway, um, we're having an impact. In our case, the first thing that we did is immediately get off the track To So I'm going to also bring out a bit of um, emergency briefing for people who might experience such thing. What do you need to do, actually, because it might save your life or someone else's life. Uh, the first thing you need to do is to get over the barrier. So that's, we made sure that we were fine, we were out of harm. The first thing I did is to call the Nürburgring emergency number. I told them... We have an accident, there's possibly coolant, make sure to uh, bring out yellow flag uh, and send us a recovery truck. That's it, simple. They said, okay, thank you, we will do it. And actually shortly, immediately after my phone call, I saw cars 
already drive by with hazard lights, yes. which strays away, literally. Which, which means uh, that they saw the yellow light come on in Eschbach, that's like two or three corners back. Uh, so they were aware that there was something wrong. They need to slow down, drive 50 kilometers per hour, uh, turn on the hazard lights, do not overtake, and make sure that uh, you're prepared to stop because something is wrong. In that case, we were the ones that something was wrong. Uh, the marshals came over, they asked for the documents of me and the car because they need to write out the damage report. Now, this is where it gets interesting and for everyone to say, like, oh my God, Nürburgring is making money off those barriers. Now, before we get into that, uh, I damaged, we damaged, I damaged only two, uh, two barriers, according to them, and only one post that is bent and it needs to be straightened, maybe not even replaced. So probably it's going to be one of my cheapest uh, bills. It we may be done under 500 euros. Now, this is still, of course, a lot of money, but the average repair bill for, for the barrier here is 2,000, sometimes even more if you do a high-speed impact pinball effect that can become quite high. Now, again, going back to the fact that people might say, like, oh my God, the Ukraine is making so much money if you... So, first of all, you have to understand if you are going to have an accident on a public street, on a public road, you're going to crash into a bus stop because you drifted or because you had an accident, whatever. You still need to pay for that bus stop. The only difference is, is that your insurance will pay for that and uh, you will not hear anything about it ever again. Now, if you were drunk under influence or you were doing something stupid, your insurance might say, hey, there's a reason why we are not going to pay for that. The same thing, move the microphone a bit too close to me. Uh, the same thing happens uh, at the same time on the Nürburgring. The only difference is you were hopefully not drunk or under influence. You were just neglecting there. You were breaching their terms and conditions, which means you were driving on a racetrack or a one-way public tow road, like some insurers like to say. Uh, and therefore, because of the breach of contract, they're going to say, like, we are not going to pay it. Well, actually, by the European law, they have to pay it. So they will pay it, and then they will come after you saying like, hey, you owe us money. And on top, we're also canceling your insurance policy because you're a bad customer. So something like that can happen. Now, uh, final thing that I want to say regarding owner oh, booking is making money of them. They don't because with every invoice that you get from them, they send a copy of the invoice that they get from NET. NET with double T, it's the company that manufactures all the barriers and does all the replacement. So they show you, hey, this is what we have been charged, mm. and this is what we're charging you. It's exactly one-to-one. -one. We're not making any money off it. Uh, and that's it. And if you have a German registered car, which insurer is covering the, what's it called, the the Nürburgring Nordschleife, you might be completely fine. You, will, you are completely insured and uh, no problem whatsoever. Now, that's regarding the, uh, the repairing parts. Separately, you have to pay for recovery because recovery is has also nothing to do with the Nürburgring. Like, uh, like the taxis, actually, recovery service needs to place a bit, and they say like, hey, I would like to pay this amount per year to be able to recover all the cars at the Nürburgring. And then the recovery company will charge you for the recovery. Usual uh, recovery costs are around 300 euros. And then you get brought to the recovery place workshop or the storage facility, which is Lenz in Adenau. However, in my case, I made a phone call to the owner and saying like, hey, could you bring me to the workshop directly? Do you still have other <clears throat> unfortunate customers that you need to take care of? Or can your driver bring me somewhere directly to my workshop so I don't need to pick up the car from your workshop and bring it there? Uh, luckily, there was no problem. 
especially since the customer is king, customer is paying anyway. So uh, usual that charge will be higher than 300 euros for the recovery because I had a designated spot much further away, which is not, not, not a big deal because uh, it's a small amount compared to the extra headache that otherwise would have if we would have to recover the car. Um, yeah, I think we kind of more or less covered everything so in that, short. That, that's, that's if you're, so you're German or, or you're, you're here in Germany, your car's a German registered car, it's yes. an insured car on the North Life. Mm -hmm. I've got my car here, let's say. I'm a UK car. It, my car won't be insured on the North Life. No. Um, so I'm going to be liable for the barrier repairs, recovery of the car off the circuit. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest challenge is I've got a car that's not road worthy. Yes. And I'm in Germany. Yes. So I guess then it's a case of what do I do then? Because it's your worst nightmare, right? You, most people drive the car here and it needs to be roadworthy to drive it back home again. Yeah, and if no, it's no, not, no, no, know, no one is checking. You, yeah. And it's all, it's all your responsibility until, until something goes wrong. Yeah. So in your case, I mean, like I also said in my explanation, if you are breaching the terms and conditions of your insurer, yes, you have that headache. Separately, the least of your headaches is getting the car back. Now, it happened to me actually once when I was working for Rimats, something we'll mm -hmm. tell more in detail or have told in more in detail way. in the upcoming podcast. Uh, I actually, my car back in 2020, I actually had an accident here also on the Nürburgring when I had to drive to Croatia actually on the same day, <laughs> 1,100 kilometers. That was a bit difficult, but uh, yeah, luckily flights are not that expensive to go back and uh, the car could be scrapped. But no, most of the people are actually either repairing the car here or selling it here uh, because if you have to ship it back, well, in your case to UK, in someone else's case, there are people coming from Spain, which is even further away. It might be quite an expensive operation, especially with UK, thanks Brexit. If you put a car on a trailer, you need to deal with all the other carnet and all the import exports and then the the guys at the customs might ask like why was there no export from uk of a british car because now it's on the trailer you know all the headache that you don't want to deal with so it's easier to fix it here and obviously it's easier just not to crash but that's not why we're doing what we're doing because otherwise life would be boring right yeah but it's 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 a I mean, we were sat there on Devil's Diner today watching all the cars and there's loads of Brits out here and mm -hmm. I think I think so, a lot. I'm hoping that a lot of them will understand the consequences of, of you know, if I do have an accident, what's going to happen. This is a very, uh, very interesting point, and we can talk about this for hours. But you, you have to go to bed soon. So uh... <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm still awake. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah, still awake. Right. I, I, I think the, it's a very interesting discussion point that is keeping you awake. But yeah, that's that's a good point that we can actually do it into our next subject. Uh, do people actually realize and understand? what the consequences will be. The Nürburgring has been around for almost 100 years, since 1927. The crashes is not uh, no, like an occurrence that has been happening since last week or since someone started the YouTube channel. It's been going on forever. Hell, like there was only one car or like two cars in the state somewhere in US in early 1900s and they managed to co collapse with each other. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. That's a very known story. That's, yeah. uh, so car accidents is a normal thing. You are being made aware of the consequences if you lose control and crash a car when you're doing your driver's test. You're, you're seeing sometimes, sometimes they're showing you the, the footage in particular, like, hey, you might actually die or lose a limp or something might happen. People are aware of the dangers, yet everyone is still doing that. Mm. 
And sometimes this might be also the exciting reason why everyone is actually coming here. Definitely. And to do certain things. And this might be also the reason why people are watching well, my videos and definitely of everyone else when there is some sort of like danger, clickbait element of close calls. Because if we're going to like cruise around easy laps, nobody's going to care about it. Yeah. It's not only talking about content and it's simply about excitement. Yeah. If this place, why do people come here from all over the world? Yes, of course, it is the most exciting racetrack and most famous and the longest one. And yes, I do not want to drive anything else. But I'm sure there's also some different elements like this mythical part about it that if you do a lap and you finish and you complete it, everything is fine. And then you start pushing and then you, you become overconfident or confident or overconfident and things go wrong. And where I want to go from here is having so said those things that people are aware of the dangers. Uh, and we said about me putting up the video online of our incident up until the point that the impact happened. So you saw that we lost control of the car and literally I cut the footage off like one second before the, well, one frame before the car actually hit the barrier. Yeah. So you saw everything that has happened and you know what's going to happen next. Yet still, people are commenting on my video or that I posted now like what, half an hour ago. There's still already comments why the hypocrite Nürburgring does not allow crash footage because so many people can learn from it. Okay, aside from the fact that, the fact that we have over 100 years of automotive history and so many books written about vehicle dynamics and whatnot and everyone can learn about everything and people know it in their back of their head, you already seen on that video what went wrong and everyone can make on their own judgment. Yet people still say like, why is Nürburgring not allowing this footage to happen because you can learn so much from it. From what? How much impact force there is between a car and the barrier? What happens when an unstoppable object meets an unstoppable force or whatever sort? So, how long is that the case? Because the the used used to be plenty. Well, they're still there because they're historically exactly. there. But and that's our next point. Uh, where oh. how long have you not been allowed to show a crash? So, here's the thing. Uh, and, and that's why I want to explain why it's such a big deal, why people are talking about it, why people point their fingers at the Nürburgring, the whole backstory about it. First of all, it has always been the case that you're not allowed to show crash footage. The big difference is, of course, that all of a sudden, somewhere in the mid-2010s, the social media became what it is now. Everyone is having a phone on, the, on their hand. Everyone is chasing clouds. And the best thing is, of course, to post something dramatic and something exciting. In this case... Also myself, hey, I crashed the GR86. The video is flying right now um, in a way that's like maybe um, the, 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 there is something good in, in this regard. You know, if that's what you're chasing, the, the crash footage is the best thing that, that you can get. Anyway, somewhere mid-2010s, uh, this became an apparent problem, quotation marks. Nürburgring back then was still a company owned by the government. Um, and... Who are you going to chase when some user 596XYZB uploaded something on TikTok? You have no idea who that is. So you cannot chase them and tell them like, hey, you are not allowed to do it. But in general, you're not allowed to do it anyway. Why is that the case? Now, as mentioned, uh, or I haven't mentioned, but I am media licensed by the Nürburgring. So what I put out, I screen it by them if I have any questions. Or if I do something wrong, I will get definitely, well, a tick on my fingers or maybe like a, some punishment. 
the reason why I have been allowed, and also, for example, Auto Addiction and uh, other re uh, channels around it, why they're allowed to post when things go wrong up until the impact. There are two things involved in that. It's not that they don't want to show that, hey, by all means, they would like to show that people need to watch out and be careful when driving the track. The biggest issue is we are in Germany. And in Germany, everyone is very, very cautious of their privacy, even though they might be the most boring person in the world. So when you look, for example, at some YouTube channels, such as JP Performance, Germany's biggest YouTuber, uh, he is now blurring everyone's faces, everyone's license plates outside, because I believe there may or may not have been a case that at one point some guy said like, hey, you filmed me uh, uh, there and uh, because of that my wife found out that I was sleeping with another girl and because of you, uh, uh, yeah, my, my private uh, information is outside and you breached the G GDPR and I'm going to sue your ass. Wow. The same issue why Nürburgring started making such a big deal out of it is because when everyone was crashing and there they were ending up online, there, uh, the victims, quotation marks, the ones that crashed, were coming after the Nürburgring saying, this happened on your property, you did not protect me, and now I have mental damage and also physical damage. Everyone has seen everything is complaining with me, posting all the bad comments, yada, 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 yada. So that was for the Nürburgring a very big problem. Now, unfortunately, there was this guy Nick from Auto Addiction, who was always standing in Brunchen, always was there. So to send a simply message and to avoid all these issues, they had to, uh, what's it called? They sent the police one time and uh, they said, you are banned from a private property because he was filming actually on their property. And that made a massive shitstorm along world, along community. And that's why the majority of people said like, oh, Nürburgring, uh, they don't allow crashes. Why are they like uh, hurting some uh, innocent YouTubers? Because you should show crashes because you can learn from it. Trust me, I've been in multiple crashes. I keep on crashing. Uh, I'm a bad driver. I'm just a YouTuber. We spoke about Ricky Aldo er earlier. He crashed Formula One drivers crash. Everyone keeps on crashing. YouTube videos are not going to do any single shit to avoid from people from crashing. In my humble opinion, I might be wrong. Feel free to leave a comment. In fact, in, fact, in the podcast that will come after this one, yeah. that was recorded before this one, mm -hmm. I think your quote was, if you drive the Nürburgring long enough, it's not a case of if, if you crash, it's when and you crash. Exactly. <laughs> and two days later, here we are. If I had a crash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but luckily we can laugh about it and that's uh, what matters. Now, a fast forward. Uh, to today's situation, uh, auto addiction is allowed to film again uh, they, 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 with open arms under certain scrutiny. Why? Because Nürburgring also made sure that uh, how to regulate the, uh, the processing of the footage and the making of the footage. Uh, because this was not on their agenda before and they were thinking, okay, how can we make sure that everyone is aware of our uh, well, of our terms and conditions, so to say, in this case. And what they did, uh, therefore, I'm allowed to film, Nick is allowed to film, Nathan is allowed to film, all these channels, and on top you have also Race Tracker, the very big website where dozens of photographers, if not hundreds, are uploading their pictures every single day that people can find of their cars. And those photographers, the website has been around also for almost a decade probably, but before, I think, 2019, 2020, 
those photographers were also being chased away by the marshals, saying, you are not private property, you are taking pictures, you are putting us in danger, GDPR, blah, 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 blah. Now, eventually, it came to a point that Nebuchadnezzar gathered their legal department, that they had time not to deal with other more important issues, such as earning money, simply to, to find out, like, hmm, is this according our guidance with the trademark, etc.? Can we call this Opel Astra Nürburgring edition? It's way too slow for that, but uh, yeah, it's fine. We'll go around. Um, <laughs> I love Opel. Um, I actually drove one yesterday. It was an amazing car. But no, um, they had other things on their mind, but eventually what they said, like, everyone who is driving is agreeing to be photographed and videographed. If you do not want to do that, put a red sticker on your car for free that you can get at the ticket office. So if you are taking your lover out and your wife is not allowed to find out, it's your own responsibility to put a red sticker on the front and the back of the window, which will be automatically recognized by the photo software of Race Tracker, and it will erase the car and license plate forever. And the same goes for people who are videoing stuff. It is our responsibility who are media licensed again, it's our responsibility to make sure that we do not post these cars in our videos, whether it's on in the car park or uh, on the track itself. So if you're following one of one of your videos, then you wouldn't be able to show that yes. forward-facing camera. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we, we, we had that. Uh, yeah, I had things like that where I had to swap cameras or something or swap yeah. footage. Yeah, I'm not allowed to show that. So mm. or, or I need to blur out the license plate. I need to blur out this uh, what, or their face, but you cannot never see a pretty much face from out of the car. But yep. you need to take out the information that may lead to their personal identification. So that yep. could be either face or a license plate. So things like that. Yeah. It's wow. uh, lots of information that you probably didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, want, I wonder if the uh, 918 driver had any red stickers on his car. Ooh. <laughs> oh, we've got to tell that story. <laughs> we got it. Sorry. I had to segue there. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. We need to tell that story. So yeah, uh, two days ago when we were recording our podcast, we were about to start recording. All of a sudden there's a knock on the door. Literally that door behind us. Just yes. Like. And uh, there's some British lad outside and they're like, uh, oh, guys, uh, do you have some ProTrack wheels for E92 M3? Because uh, 918, uh, crashed into us and now our wheels broken like um, um no we don't have any in stock we also don't have a e92 anymore but you can go to 24 7 performance or i don't know someone so or maybe ring spares those are like thing two two companies that came up on it okay thanks so see you later to the and we close the door like the guy probably mistaken 918 for 718 yeah. or maybe Can't be a 918 what was it yeah and the way he said it so like so easy, like as if it happens yeah. here every day yeah. everyone puts their it, it, it was almost like we're car guys we know that can't be a 918 i mean we, yeah. Yeah. and even me was like no 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 really not a car guy I mean, because seriously. this is something you would hear all over the news probably yeah. but it turned out <laughs> just, that... just saying but that's a porsche 918 spider one of the holy trinity one and a half million pound car. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a seven one eight Cayman or something. It turned out to be that it was indeed a nine eighteen that crashed into them, uh, as we could see later on Facebook because they posted the footage from them and also the actually footage from the nine eighteen. Surprisingly enough, um, yeah. So things like that happened. It's also interestingly enough that it happened on that particular Saturday, two days ago. Actually, when I sat in the morning after doing two laps myself, I said, I'm done for today. I'm not driving anymore because the driving standards were completely miserable. It's like <laughs> Diana said today, this Saturday, man, it felt like 
the Worldwide Forum for Idiots just said, we're going to host a meet and greet at the Nürburgring. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Diana says. Exactly. Yeah, still going. I loved it. Um, yeah, so we can briefly touch on that as also like what is, what is, what is going to happen there because that's also a very good question. Yeah. You said one and a half million pounds or yeah. euro or maybe more whoever is going to bid how much for a crash land 18 nowadays like, um looking at the footage he clearly didn't have any concept of how much his car was worth because it it was you know no <laughs> wasn't the best bit of driving i've ever seen in my life i uh side note i sent it to my lawyer the last night at 2 a.m when i saw the video myself he answered me at 5 a.m when i was asleep and he's first like Oh my God, were you involved in that? And like, <laughs> right, here is what it is. Da, 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 like a long... <laughs> he was ready to get me out of jail already. Because <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind, again, because we, we, we've got this crossover podcast, if it's your fault, you're liable for yes. damage on and, your car and someone else's car. Yes, exactly. So this young lad who knocked on the door... Yeah. Had it been their fault, and and I guess we we'll, we don't know what the outcome of that would be. Yes, that is the biggest but issue. Indeed. Hypothetically, mm-hmm. had it been their fault, mm-hmm. and and they've crashed into a nine nine eighteen spider, that's a big bill. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we come to a point. Well, for, for people wondering, my lawyer said it's nineteen's fault, according to because according to the I can look it up on my phone now. Whatever rule it was. You're only allowed to overtake if there's enough space. Mm, yeah. Well, there was clearly not enough space the, 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 because it needs to be like at least X amount of width of the car and etc. meters, meters. So the, the, there was not enough space. So it's 918's fault. However, the big however always that insurance likes to use or anyone else. They might say like, well, okay, it's the other guy's fault. But it's also your responsibility that you were on the racetrack and did not look in the mirrors and the shine might, the sun was shining onto you and you polished your car too much and that's why it blinded you and it's all your fault. And therefore, it's kind of 50-50. However, the 50-50 in your and my understanding, it would be like, all right, he pays for his own damages, the 19 guy is cool, he pays whatever he has money and the E92 guy pays for his money. Mm. In the insurance case... They might say like, okay, what's the total damage? And that we divide by oh, two. Oh, wow. Yes. And yeah. one insurance party takes over one half and the other the other half. <laughs> and um, it's... Um, can we can we chat about driving standards? Because uh, I've now done two laps of the ring. Yes. I did one with you and yes. I did one today. Yeah. And I've done lots of track days. And I think, I guess the anyone listening to this or watching this who hasn't been here... To, to, and, and been around the ring if you've done a normal track day almost all track day companies it's it's um, overtake on by invite mm-hmm. so if you've got a faster car behind you they have to stay behind you until you indicate to the side and then they can come past normally only allowed to do that on a straight and you're normally on a motor circuit that's maybe i don't know a couple of miles long so you know okay i've got two two corners behind this car and then they're going to be able to let me pass so it's a there's a bit of patience challenge with the Nürburgring from what I can see has only been the passenger twice is one it's not two miles long it's very long there's lots and lots of corners and people kind of they do indicate and pull over to the right if they're watching what's behind them but I almost felt it's it's a bit more like a kind of track day meets a test day you can stick one up the inside you can overtake round the outside at corners it's it's a, there's a little bit more freedom for that and experienced drivers like you that's no no sweat whatsoever but i 
what's your thoughts on the less lesser experienced people and when they make their decision to overtake or not or, or to allow someone through or not well i cannot speak for less experienced people what goes on through their head what's happening through them maybe they're having some difficult time in their lives and they're like coming here to the devil king to actually wind down and then they actually end up causing a bigger drama to themselves because their head is not on the track Things like that can happen. The bottom line is, is the rules are quite simply clear. It is a public road and the slow traffic stays on the right lane. It is a one-way toll road. There is no, but actually there are two invisible lanes and simply the slow traffic stays on the right. The fast traffic overtakes on the left. I've had multiple cases like that, even the first year that I was at the Nürburgring or the second year, and there was like a very famous video I posted like, oh, uh, Ferrari crashed into a Porsche, massive clickbait, but this is also what happened. But the big difference is our rental Porsche at the time was driving and the driver was not completely on the right side, according uh, to the police who analyzed the footage. And they said, well, you were uh, a bit more towards the middle, not even on the middle, but more towards the middle. You should be completely on the right. And the guy was overtaking you and you, because of you, you're, it's your fault. Yeah, you're responsible. You crashed into it. Uh, and they even fined our Porsche driver. They gave him, I think, 10 or 20 euros fine for uh, causing like this traffic disruption or something. And then everyone was for themselves to, to figure out who is responsible for the traffic. So the bottom line is slow traffic stays to the right. Faster traffic overtakes on the left. What happens in between? Everyone decides for themselves until shit goes hits the fan, because then police comes and then they say, "Okay, you're stupid, you're an idiot," uh, or or or, you know. And uh, that's the bottom line. That's how. But it's hard, isn't it? Because I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but you talked about uh, another accident that sort of happened around you, uh, and that was someone that was in front of you. They yes. got to the right, and this is something I can imagine that newbies make the mistake of happening. And I've done it before, when, especially when it was my first few laps. You're extra paranoid, so you're looking forward, but you're also looking in your mirrors a lot. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is you're, you then almost focus more on what's going on behind you than what's going on in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then say you're overtaking the inside because now I've given you the room and I'm so paranoid about you make it through the inside that have actually done the worst thing ever forgotten to drive my own car <laughs> no but that's yeah. On, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's all yeah, yeah. they that's talk about plane actually, crashes and stuff yeah. and, and the most important thing in the plane crash is fly the plane mm. and it's like on keep the car on the black stuff number one number two then you know do you know what i mean it's no exactly i mean though we can quickly talk about what happened on that particular day i think it was like what uh 2021, yeah, it yeah. was already two years ago. I was driving a car of a friend of mine, of our common friend of Aaron, uh, the E92 yeah. M3. He actually messaged me. He's happy that you are fine and you and I are fine oh. uh, because he already saw the video. Uh, I was driving the car. We are going in Metzgesfeld. Uh, I was overtaking a Mini. Uh, I turn in, uh, overtake, and uh, he goes with his both wheels on the grass because he was looking in the mirror instead of ahead of him. Yep. Uh, this causes him to panic. He uh, lifts. This causes him to oversteer, so lift off oversteer, and he smacks fully in the right side of my car. Then I uh, subsequently also crash into, well, I tap the tire wall slightly. Uh, we get out, uh, I immediately uh, call the marshals, marshals come, I say I would like the police to come because, uh, well, two cars are involved and I believe I am innocent and the other party is at fault. So police arrives, 
three hours later. Why is that? Because someone rolled their car before us at Schwedenkreuz. So before oh, getting no. to us, the police had to deal with the rollover. And therefore, I was charged for six hours of marshal time because two marshals were with me both for three hours and I had to pay for their and time. And how much is that? It was not much. It was like a few hundred euros or even less. It was nothing crazy. It was like, come on, guys, really? <laughs> so the funny thing is, so the police arrives and they're like, okay, we're going to take witness. The other guy uh, had also a passenger with him and the passenger immediately said, the other car uh, cut us off and uh, that's why we uh, had to go on the grass. I'm like, well... So here are five camera angles that I have. <laughs> you sent them all to yes. me on WhatsApp. You're like, yeah. yeah, then moreover, as we're having this discussion, Lauren, our instructor, he messaged me on WhatsApp. He's like, yo, I heard you had, I don't know if you were involved in that or so, but you were followed by a E46M3 that, uh, sorry, yeah, E46M3 that also filmed from behind where you can actually see my own track position from the bird, well, not bird's eye view, but like third person perspective, like Grand Theft Auto or Need for Speed or something. So you can exactly see how far I am from the curb because the first footage when the police looked at mine, they also said like, yeah, you were not completely very maximum to the left because yeah, uh, that's why if you kind of maybe like, scare them off or something. And after presenting them with the footage of the car behind me, I'm like, how much more you want me to the left? I'm literally one millimeter off the curb because that's where the apex is. You know, I'm literally there. How much more, more to the left you want me? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, can you please send me that footage? <laughs> so then the funny part is uh, we obviously were trying, uh, we were waiting on the, something to happen, nothing happened, then my lawyer got involved and the funniest story is, is that when he contacted the, the counterparty, their insurance said like, oh, that's funny, uh, because our client said there was no other car involved. Hmm. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes. And even at that point, we also still ended up saying like, yeah, well, okay, uh, we pay for three quarters of the damage because, uh, yeah, you know, maybe the sun was shining different way and uh, the moon was shining in a different way. It was somewhat your responsibility. <laughs> it's a typical insurance drama. So anyway, uh, long story short, if you're not prepared to uh, <laughs> face the consequences, don't hide behind insurance or whatnot. It's yeah, it, it, it's a bottom line. I know it, it, it's crazy, but it's it's how it is. So, so also with cameras, I mean, um, today's third lap, the crash lap, um, you almost didn't run your cameras, right? And, exactly, because and, it was, it's going to be easy lap, let's not film it. Yeah. And we only filmed it because we saw Pad with the GD3. Yes. Passes. We're like, oh, let's yeah. see, maybe it was something, something. Yeah. But the craziest thing, indeed, I didn't want to record. I even beforehand, before we entered the lap, I considered taking the GoPros off so we could have pictures from Race Tracker. Yes. Because then you can see our faces not blocked by GoPros or etc. Yeah. However, at the same time, I'm also always making sure that I'm recording every single lap of mine because I know shit like that can happen. And yeah. You want to be happy that you have some footage to prove whether who was at fault, whether it was you or someone else. Yeah, that was, gonna, that was going to be my question. If you're if you're driving the ring, would your recommendation be run multiple cameras? hundred yeah. percent. Dashcam sponsored by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> X-Race. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean... Something happened to me a few months ago. I can't remember what it was on track. I oh, did something. You, My and cameras didn't, weren't and you running. Didn't have the cameras rolling. Yeah, what was that? No, I can't uh, remember. Is that the money shift? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, that was it. Yeah, the money shift. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> if you would have gotten the DCT. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Are you the actual reason why BMW discontinued DCTs in their cars? You probably, yes. Yeah. I yeah. convinced him that manuals and autos were better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Ca so cameras running all the time just, just for your own... Uh, yeah, your own uh, yeah. peace of mind, I guess. And having spoken, yes, and guess about the cameras and accidents, etc. The the reason why we wanted to shoot this podcast in the first place is someone asked, like, "Hey, is Nebuchadnezzar's popularity might it maybe even endanger yeah. uh, the ring? Will it maybe hurt the, the its existence?" And it's a very good, uh, very good question when you think about it more in, in depth, and especially since last year or the year before that, the speed limit on the autobahn was under big scrutiny. It was threatened to go away because people said, like, oh, well, uh, people die uh, there, let's protect them. I, I heard that a big part of that, the, the autobahn thing, was the an environmental thing because of the fuel economy. You're not the most fuel efficient when you're doing 170 k's an hour. But is the car not emitting more if it's standing when it's standing still? Well, no, but if it's if it's doing. But, like... but is it emitting more when it's standing still? Ah, uh, uh, is it? I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't know. Because I wonder what's up with those all those climate activists who gluing themselves oh. to the making <laughs> sure that the traffic is standing think, still. In the traffic. I think the argument was it's at its most efficient at let's say 100 k's an hour, not yeah, 190. Yeah. 200 Especially if there hour. is some diesel software involved in that. And yes. <laughs> but I don't. So so what what are your thoughts? Is that I mean, as a, it's a unique thing, right? The the North yeah. Shelf. Um, and we we sat there today. Pat and I were watching, um, just the cars going in and out. It's a spectacular thing, and it's it's a very special thing. But it its uniqueness is maybe its vulnerability. In today's <laughs> world, yeah, yeah, it, where where everything. I mean, it's clearly very very successful, very popular. It, clearly, the the track owners must make good money out of it because yeah. there's thousands of cars going around every day. You get the feeling, you know, I walked into Bissing Glass tonight to pick up some pizzas and everyone in there from all over, mostly Europe, you do get Americans and further abroad, but everyone, we're just all the same, men and women, and we're all petrol heads and we can all, we're all speaking the same language, even though we're not, if that makes sense. And and it's almost like a mecca that we all escape to and people aspire to be here some brits come over here religiously literally every weekend some of them mm -hmm. or every other weekend um and but you can see why because it is a place that you can almost come to and forget about we all work in the motoring industry you live here so maybe different but you and i we review stuff cars are becoming less and less interesting the future to me is becoming less and less interesting as a petrol head um for reasons and i get why but as a pure petrol head, you know, restrictions, sound limits in tracks around the UK, all these things, it's like our fun is just slowly being tightened down, you know? Mm. And you come out here and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, like this is this is still the place, you know? And, and But you do think to yourself, is that going to continue forever? Um, you know, how long will it be allowed to continue? And... Uh, yeah, I think, what is the future of the Nürburgring? That's a very good question. Um, like, since we've spoken in the previous or to be published podcasts about Rimats and Matt Rimats, he actually said that his vision is that uh, people will not even own a car in the future. It will become more like horse. 
So in the past, horse was a meaning of transportation. Now it's an extreme luxury for people to own a horse and it's like a bragging rights. In the nearby or future future, uh, people will, for them, cars will be simply either well, robotic things that you just order to get yourself from A to B and an actual car ownership will be something very exclusive that will still be possible on designated areas such as racetracks where you can do it because you also don't ride your horse on the on the autobahn you ride it through the woods or somewhere with a designated mm -hmm. like uh, hippodrome or how you call that um so i do think i like to believe that the nivacrine future is secure for the reasons simply for the fact there are so many reasons behind it well first of all that hopefully in the future this is going to be one of the places where people will be allowed to do what to do uh, second, we need to understand the reason why the Nürburgring is here. Um, it is also to provide for the car industry, to do the development for the cars. People would like to test their prototypes in a secure environment. Again, going back to the fact that it's secure. Although, for the sake of disclaimer, we had a very freak accident a few weeks ago with, with two test drivers. Um, but I sincerely believe this is the most like safest place where something can go wrong. Uh, the car industry is using this place to test all the cars and that needs to continue. It doesn't matter whether it's automotive, I'm, I'm sorry, autonomous or a normal one. It, it needs to continue in the future as well. And that will be this place. Now, finally also, and the main reason why the Nürburgring is built here, not only because we have so much space, but if we go back to history back in uh, 1925, when they started the construction of it, it was an interbellum between the two world wars. Germany was in a big shit after the Treaty of Versailles when they said, okay, we need to uh, uh, yeah, uh, pay for all the damages of World War I. And this was the region that was the worst off. So they were figuring out, okay, how can we attract the economy? Let's build a racetrack. Now, the local community said, okay, we have here the nearest village with 150 citizens, has one car. The village of Adenau has 5,000 citizens, has one car, and all the other cars... Citizens have no cars, so what are we going to do? Um, and they said, like, no, everyone is going to come here. Fast forward to today, <laughs> this is exactly what's happening. Everyone from all over the world is coming here to either drive themselves or, or, or. And everyone in the region is living off it. Everyone has either a restaurant or their family has a restaurant or a workshop or a guest house, you name it. It has to do with the track and they're living off it or the infrastructure or the, the barrier replacement company. Hmm. Uh, many tens of thousands jobs, if not hundreds of thousands are involved here. And then again, also related to automotive itself with people who are actually coming here to the Nürburgring, testing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so also when the Second World War happened and the, the Allied forces came here and decided, decided to drive with their tanks on the Nürburgring because they simply didn't know they're like, oh shit. They were the, the first thing for them to do was actually to rebuild the track because they already had half of Europe to rebuild. But by having the track rebuilt, it could provide for the region here. Mm. The same reason why Germany did not impose the, the ban for the autobahns, or like for, for the speed limit, because the whole of German car industry is uh, reliant on it. For the same reason, when the European Parliament proposed the ban of internal combustion engine. Uh, in 2035, first Germany and Italy said like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, 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 fine. And then all of a sudden, 
some guy, well, some probably automotive CEOs went to the polished editions and said, are you out of your mind? Here are the stats, how much, how many jobs are actually related to car industry and who is going to feed them and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then Germany said like, yeah, uh, yeah. And Italy actually asked the, the parliament to actually uh, make an exemption for certain manufacturers. Like if there's X amount of them, they can still have internal combustion engine cars, such as but, but Germany came up with a plan that like, okay, if it's biofuels, then uh, yeah, you can do it. If it's zero emission fuel, it can still be internal combustion engine. So I do like to believe that people still have a bit of reasoning or can be reasoned with. Although they scream about, oh, yeah, yeah, cars are the worst and et cetera, et cetera. It's not just about cars and about emotion. It's about the whole industry behind it. How many hundreds and thousands of jobs are related to that engineering, marketing, sales, you name it, in the car industry. And car industry is, is also very linked to other industries, et cetera, et cetera. So that people would treat, uh, the, the people who are in charge and with power will understand the, well, the difficulties that might bring with just simply closing a place down. Because for me, to be honest, like uh, speaking for myself, like, okay, I'll go make videos somewhere else. The guy, the guys here, they, it might be blessing in disguise because they are not going to be dependent on just like six months of track operation and will be able to pursue their dreams because they can go somewhere else. The car industry also, okay, we're going to just go test only in, um, what's in Nardo or like maybe another track, maybe Spa is going to say like, oh, everything is closed. Let us relocate here. So... The, sh the global impact is not going to be maybe that big, but the local economical impact is going to be quite big. And why I'm talking about local economical impact, because those are the people in charge who might impose certain rules. It's not that the European Union, like the head of European Union, is going to say you need to close the Nürburgring. It's some local politician, German politician, is going to say like, hey, we need to close it down for whatever reason. And then there's going to be lots of backlash and for all the reasons. It's a really interesting one. <clears throat> It is. Yeah. And I suppose there's just no way of ever telling something like that, is there? You can no, have your feelings and your thoughts. You and, can have your feelings. Yeah. You can have your ideas. You can have everything. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, there have been so many like paradigm shifts in, in history, uh, revolutions that happen out of nowhere. Yeah. And we can sit here and uh, talk about this and tomorrow some well, shit might hit the fan. And yeah. then for whatever reason. Yeah. So it might happen. And yeah, I don't know. I think I, I mean, uh, a couple of things, just in terms of the, the, the track, I went around in a 992 GT3 today as a passenger. It wasn't a 918. No, it was definitely not a 918. <laughs> no, it was definitely a GT2. And um, the, I'm going to put Gareth, his name, the, 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 we met him at a hotel this morning. And I've driven a 992 GT3 on the road. And, you know, I've done film on it and you've driven it. And it's an amazing, amazing car. And I got in the car and he said, I know you've driven it because I've watched your video and um, you're about to realize what this car can actually do on a bit of track that is going to test it in every way. A bit like you said in the conversation we had on the next podcast, mm. we're going to say. The next, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> the next one. Um, and honestly, it was, I, I don't understand how that car is allowed to wear number plates. It was just unbelievable and that's not even, even the rs, RS. <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't the rs it was on it was on cup twos it was completely completely stock there was there was no modifications to it whatsoever and it, it bent my brain it was phenomenal 
so the car was amazing, but it was the the track. What you said you were saying about how it tests everything: mm-hmm. long straights, tight corners, undulations, um, gradients, um, hard braking zones, long flowing corners, tight twisty. It was just, but it was mind bending. And and it as soon as I finished the lap, the the ring made sense. I know James May from Top Gear always he's always annoyed. I was hoping the RAF with or the bomber command would yeah 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 because everything all these cars are tested at the Nurburgring. It now makes complete one hundred percent sense to me. Yeah, Um, having driven it twice, I think the first I drove it with you and as a passenger, and it just I I was so overawed by it, and and so you kind of you need you need to go around it a few times just to to let it normalize in your head, so the ring made sense. And then yeah. going to the autobahn, if you've never been to Germany before and you've never been on an unrestricted autobahn and you've never legally been allowed there to sit and drive at 140, 150, 160 miles an hour, you don't really think, well, why is a modern car able to do 150 miles an hour? What's the point? Mm-hmm. When you come to Germany, you realise the point. Yeah, <laughs> and you can appreciate your car more. Yeah. Because, because let's uh, face it, most of the cars that are on sale these days can do 120, 130 minimum. Most of the sports cars we review are limited to 155 or faster. But most people in the UK, unless they're breaking the law or being idiots or take it on track, they don't experience that. But like you say, you do, and then you appreciate the engineering. But I think going back to the ring, you you go and spend a day or an afternoon in TF, and there are so many... I mean, we're going to leave here tomorrow sick of the sight of well, one M's because there was a meet here, and also GT threes and GT three RSs because there are so many. Not and, and not GT four RSs and GT four RSs. Not, I mean, I love them more than ever, ever, but just there are literally two to the penny. They're everywhere, but there's a reason they're everywhere because they can just do thousands of laps, and they just stand up to it, don't they? I mean, yep. it's it's just incredible. And what was really weird? We were walking around the car park today, yeah, and we saw a Ferrari and went, "Oh wow, Ferrari." <laughs> yes. I've only seen two. <laughs> yeah, seen t- two, and actually, you know, we saw um, an SF90 a couple of days ago. Yeah, I saw an F8 and a 488 today, and they're the only Ferraris I've seen. Yeah, I must have seen a hundred 911s. Yeah, or oh, more, more, more hundred yeah. GT3s, G- GT, yeah, yeah, GTs, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. But uh, going back to the autobahn, there's no way we could have the autobahn in the UK because our driving standards and our lane discipline are just not good enough. Yes. You can sit here, 140 miles an hour. We did it on the way over on the autobahn and feel quite happy that the person in lane two isn't going to suddenly decide that they're going to be in lane three and pull out in front of you. They just don't do it. Yeah, uh, Sometimes they do. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but but you, you can see it happen in advance, that, that they're closing in on someone and you're closing in too fast on them and yeah. they think that you're far away and then they decide to pull out. So you need to... You need okay. to look in your mirrors yeah, yeah, and be sure. aware because you could be sat at 120 and someone could come up flying up behind you at 160, 170 miles an hour. But yeah, it's just, it is an amazing, amazing place. It so, is. I think driving standards are still, I mean, yeah, you live here, Misha, so you probably see good and bad. And mm-hmm. and I think on the stretch here, actually, I said to you, you were like, it's amazing because you hadn't been over here for a while. But I was like, oh, it was good. But I saw some average German drivers you always check the plates because you're like why did they just do that they must be from Belgium mm. or somewhere else and then you're surprised when it is a German plate um, but you get the minute we all get off the train tomorrow and sit on the M20 within five minutes we'll be there going Arr! and it's just the, M- <laughs> the M20 
is the biggest embarrassment for our country because ev- people come over from from Europe yeah on the tunnel or on the the Dover Calais ferry they they drive up that road it's full of potholes it's got roadworks all over it and we drive like complete idiots yeah i thought you were going to use the c word i nearly Jeez. was going to but i'm even <laughs> even though i'm still awake um, Misha's looking tired now. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm going for a couple of drinks in a bit. But I, I think he's he's going to go to the gym in a minute. Um, I, I think. Do you know what? That's pretty much an hour. Is it? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what are we doing? It is. Look, bang on an hour. Wow, perfect. And yeah. I think we've covered all our main points. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think so. Is there anything else we need to cover? I don't think so. I think we need to go and get a beer. I think that was a really nice. That was a really nice episode. I mean, Misha, thanks so much once again. Um, we've been blessed with your presence f- presence for the past four and a half, right. five days, um, and uh, yeah, it's been awesome. For really me, cool. it's been great getting to know you and spending so much time with you. We've eaten dinner in the evenings together and had some beers and and shared some amazing memories. And that first lap of the ring, I'll cherish for the yeah, and, and the, the last the lap, of the, the last <laughs> lap of the ring was pretty cool as well. <laughs> Uh, as you were praising me for my driving skill but hey no. let, let's assume that, that mate your driving is, is amazing uh, yeah it really is and uh, just unfortunate but um, hey that's the reality it's, this it's is, a part of the exactly yeah. it's part of the experience it's part of the game but we keep on playing it because we love it yeah warts and, warts and all and, um, and if any of you are listening or watching and you've not been here yep. to the Nürburgring then uh, honestly it's such an amazing destination to come you don't even if you don't go around the ring, just to be around the town, to sit at the Devil's Diner and watch the cars. If you love cars, performance cars, sports cars, there's such amazing things to watch. Also, lots of shit boxes. There's a lots, lot of shit boxes. <laughs> but, but to be honest, you can see everyone still comes off the whether they come off the the ring in a in a shit box or a brand new GT3 RS, they've still got the same smile on their face. Yeah, yeah. they're still still loving it. So you could do that, and then you can you can as I said, you know, have a passenger lap. Bring your car, have a drive. It doesn't matter which of those you do, you're yeah. going to have an amazing time. Yeah. And just make sure you do check the schedule though because that's another big mistake, for especially the Brits that come over here for the first time. You assume that Tourist of Vartan's on all the time or this is happening all the time and you can turn up and sometimes it's not right for a few days because you've got things going on. Or Yeah, absolutely. So, so just make sure there's something happening when you do come. Um, but as you said, yeah, you don't have to come and risk taking your car around Come and just enjoy the atmosphere. Yeah. Go to Devil's Diner, have some pancakes, uh, stay at Apex, obviously, and uh, yeah, and get a taxi lap um, and, and go from there. Because the purpose of this podcast wasn't to try and put people off. It was just trying to talk about yeah. the realities of it. And, and what happened today was just a brilliant, good thing to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. But exactly. yeah, anyway, me, cool. thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. It's been, it's been a, it's been a, 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 we're sadly we're going home tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> well, you'll be back. You'll be back. I'll, I'll be back. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Sorry one um, time, Joe. For we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, no we'll put a link to Misha's um, video. I'm sure you'll by this time this goes out, you'll have bound to seen it. Yeah. yeah hopefully Thanks. there'll be also another follow up video of what actually happened if we find some exactly. mechanical issues. But, but, yeah. but make sure you uh, subscribe to Misha's channel. Make sure you subscribe to this if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on one of the podcast channels, give us a review. Yep. Give us a star rating. And keep an ear out for the next one, which is the main Misha <laughs> yes. podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you're not sick of him already, then keep an yeah, eye out because that, that one. That's even that's even got some even more great spicy stuff. Yeah. info. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Cool. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We're Easy now. Easy now. Easy now.
uh, uh, easy on the brakes. You might <laughs> engage ABS. <laughs> <laughs>